kick this sucker off. Okay. So our, our, our first major sponsor that we have is Project XGuard and uh, Raul Chavez on Instagram. If you want to give him a follow at Choking, or not a Choking Hazard podcast, but give us a follow as well. But Choking Hazard podcast, as well as Project XGuard, he's working with uh, at-risk youth in local communities, not just in Toronto and not just at uh, Gringo BJJ, but he's also branching out to different areas of the GTA and also all over Ontario. So if you run an academy or... Even if you just know somebody that you think could benefit from what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has done for many youth, not just in Canada, but all over the world, reach out to either us at the Choking Hazard Podcast Instagram page or Raul Chavez at uh, Project XGuard. Once again, it's Project XGuard. Our second big sponsor that we have, and I think James Ann will like this because he was almost late for this podcast because it was 419. But really, it's 420. It's Spirit Leaf in Waterdown, <laughs> uh, Waterdown, Ontario, Canada. Aaron, what is their address? And you need to get it right this time. It's 64 Hamilton Street North. North. <laughs> so being specific, 64 Hamilton Street North. It's about 20 minutes outside of Peel Region. So from Mississauga down to Waterdown, it's being about a 20-minute drive roughly just to give you an idea where it is. Also, if you're in the Hamilton area, it's about maybe a 20 minute drive there. So it's actually a fairly central to uh, both regions. So they have all your CBD needs, all your THC needs. Um, They're also getting in a lot of new vape technology. So, uh, so if you're not one of those big smokers, you don't want to, you know, inhale all the carcinogenic properties that may or may not be in those, uh, in those pre-rolls, there are some vaping options. So it's a lot, it's a lot cleaner of a, a burn for you but they also have a lot of chocolates, more chocolates than Willy Wonka's factory. They got more, got more candy than the entire country of Switzerland up in here. So you're going to go down there at 64 Hamilton street, North Aaron North. We've gotten it wrong for three podcasts, apparently <laughs> 64 Hamilton street, North located in Waterdown, Ontario. Alex Tang and his team will hook you up with whatever you need there. You're allowed up to 30 grams to uh you're allowed up to purchase up to 30 grams to leave the store with um what you're going to do to get 10 percent off is you want to make sure that you're following the choking hazard podcast page and there's also a post that we have that has a promo code at ch podcast 10 so that's ch podcast 10 you're going to show that to the cashier when you check out and you're going to get 10 percent off everything that you got there so that is Spirit Leaf Waterdown, Ontario, located at Aaron. One more time. At 64 Hamilton Street North. Waterdown, Ontario. Bam. <laughs> Good job, Mike. Good job. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Here we are. We are Choking Hazard Podcast, and we are with James today. James, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell everybody about yourself. Uh, my name is James and, um, I've been training jujitsu since 2008, started in, uh, Newmarket under Chris Robinson and Gracie Humata. I was there for a while and then a bunch of stuff happened. So that academy fell apart. Then I joined Caval for like a couple of years until I found myself at Gringo's where I'm now and currently training and representing the Cicero Costa team. Very nice. So how long have you been with uh, the Gringo team? Uh, Probably like three years now. Very good. And you're a black belt with them now, correct? Yeah. 
Yeah. Excellent. Where'd you get your black belt? Uh, like two years ago, I think. Very nice. 2018. Yeah. December, 2018. Excellent. Yeah. Very good. Like, have you, um, have you started competing under a black belt or just kind of like not competing at all anymore? Or? Uh, yeah, I started competing like, uh, right away when I got my black belt basically. And then uh, I did the euros this year too, before COVID went and everything shut down. I haven't mm-hmm. competed since COVID though. Gotcha. It's kind of hard to do that. Like we actually just interviewed Max Hansen. who just got silver at Pan Am's just recently. And he was telling me, he was telling me the process of competing because, you know, he's flying down, he's taking time off, you know, work, job, all that. But then once you compete and then he's going through the process of coming back where you have to isolate for two weeks. But then I also talked about my experience previously as well, where like I was away in March and it's totally different now. So if you leave the country, you're coming back, you have to, you're expected to isolate for 14 days, but they're really like really strict or really checking on you. There's apps you have to download. So they're basically like, you know, they're tracking you, man. It's the government, yeah. man. They're tracking you. I didn't you. want to deal with any of that. <laughs> There's a lot of, it's a lot. I, I understand why they're strict, but at the same time, like it's a, it's, if you want to leave the country and go compete, and let's say you work a full-time job, it's very difficult to go, okay, I'm going to leave for a week. And then when I come back, I can't go to work or do anything for two weeks. So basically I just took a three week vacation and that's, that's pretty much my year. Yeah. And it's super expensive now too and everything. So yeah, it's not worth it. No, for sure. So um, especially like when we look at like training, have you had a chance to get like more training in since I like, I don't know what are the restrictions in like new market? I have no idea. Yeah, I'm training with, like, a very small group, like, constantly, but it's, like, really small group. I haven't been to, like, the academy, really, or anything, so, like, just sticking with my small group right now at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get a lot of, like, my drills in with my girlfriend, so that's really good. She, like, trains a lot, too, and competes, so that's really good. Helps me get, like, my training in every day. That's good. Yeah. It's really the best way of going about it right now is you just you have a small group of people you train with, and you just you stick with that for the time being because that's the most – manageable and like it's like the lowest risk highest reward right so versus just like you know spreading herpes everywhere with like hundreds of people (laughs) so yeah i think like i think everybody's been basically been doing some sort of combination of that where it's just like you get you have a group of like you know four to six people like kind of like what max was saying he's like he has a group of like he trains with his instructor regularly and like a couple others that they all kind of meet and they train together and like that's their their pod i guess you can say but you know, like the rules change every week. So you don't know like, okay, like one week you're allowed pods and next week you're, you're training with a grappling dummy and then the next week. So it, it's, it's something else, but you know, since the situation is always evolving, you realistically, if you just, if you're working with the same people all the time, it, it makes, it makes things a lot easier, especially if you know who they are, where they're going and all that. Yeah. It's a lot easier to keep track than having like constant random people just constantly rotating in that you'd never met before seen in your life yeah um i was listening to um i think it was jujitsu x um they had a podcast on with keenan and he was talking about like the beginning of covid and then how he's how he was like really concerned about it and then how he's kind of reacting now and he basically has like open door policy basically in san diego and i mean like california itself is like on fire with covid i mean like what's your kind of opinion on that open gym concept in some of these States where these guys are just training, like nothing's happening. 
I don't know. It's kind of crazy, but America has always been known to like have more freedom to do kind of whatever they want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Freedom yeah. guns. Yeah. <laughs> COVID. Herpes. <laughs> <America>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. COVID is not going to stop anyone in America. No, I, I believe that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy though, but I don't know. Everyone has their own opinion on it, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't be training with a bunch of random people, though, that I've never met before, especially if they're just traveling, like, because he's a big name, so he's probably just getting people traveling from random places at times and stuff, so it's, uh, yeah, it's hard and to I, tell. I, and yeah, that's what I mean, like, it's especially, like, if you're going to get travelers coming in and there's a lot of people that you don't know, and you're, again, I guess it all depends on what your real social circle is, right? I mean, if your yeah. social circle doesn't involve certain amount of people, I guess you're fine, whatever, right? But if you're going to be like visiting a mom or a grandma or elderly people later on, like, yeah, it gets a little haywire. Yeah. Yeah. That open door policy can get pretty messy because then it's like hard to track who's been there too. So if something does happen, like God forbid, like it's hard to track back where it came from or anything. So you just Mm -hmm. forced to to probably shut down everything for a while. Yeah. Um, like how, how has like it been like on a mental standpoint for you? Cause I know a lot of people have been like, Hey, this is the place where I would train, like meeting up with friends, obviously at their clubs and all that kind of stuff. And having that open door concept, like, how do you feel like mentally, like how you've been able to adjust to it or just kind of being able to train with some people, it kind of helps out. Yeah. Just being able to train with people help a bit, but like, it's been kind of weird because like a couple of months ago, you're training with like everyone. Because when I did the Euros, it's just in January, and we're, like, in a room with, like, people all over the world just training like it's normal. Mm. And then literally a couple months later, the whole world shuts down. There's no flying. Everything's, like, gone crazy. So it's, it's so like weird. How that, it's so weird how that happened. Like, in January, you wouldn't think, like, oh, like, I'm going to roll with, you know, this random person I've never met before in my entire life. But, like, fast forward yeah. to now, somebody's like, hey, man, you want to roll? And you're like... Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. Where'd you come from? Where'd you come from? Start, like, start lysoling them down. Get away from me. <laughs> you start lysoling. But yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. It's it's weird how like the, this year is from like January to now, like things have changed so much. Like I was in a, I was in Costa Rica one week and then the next week it's like, I get back and I'm driving around. There's zero cars on the road. It's like basically Armageddon. I'm like, what the, what the hell happened? Cause I was uh, the week that, cause I was telling Max on the last podcast, I was the week that I was away on vacation was when things got like, like 180, like they got like really bad where like, you, you didn't know like what was happening. Like people are panic buying stuff and, buying like you know 65 rolls of toilet paper which i'm sure they're probably still using to this day and <laughs> and like and then like i get i'm just hearing about all this stuff and i'm in another country i'm like what the hell is going on and then i get back it's, it feels like another day at the airport but then like i'm driving around the following day just to see like hey like what's going on i'm gonna go for a drive like around toronto and like it's five o'clock on a tuesday and i'm on the gardener and there, i'm the only car driving it was like the weirdest spookiest thing i guess you can really like feel i think at the time where it's it's like where is everybody like this is supposed to be like rush hour and like the gardener's supposed to be ram there's supposed to be like people like commuting like trying to go home and everything like millions of cars and like (laughs) nothing going on (laughs) 
Yeah, at like the Euros is in like in January. And there's like tons of people. Every country like had a bunch of people, and like the streets were filled with tourists and everything. And to think like two months later, like every street's like empty. There's like everyone's like back home and stuff. It's pretty nuts. It feels like the Walking Dead sometimes when you're walking down the street. It's like that's, all that's empty. How I, that's it's how like... I felt driving around. I'm like, do I need a gun? Do I need like, <laughs> like what's going on? But, do um, I need you, tons of toilet paper? <laughs> do I need tons of toilet paper? Maybe, I should, maybe they're right. Maybe I should get some toilet paper. Uh, James, I want to ask you, because like you've been training a long time. You started in like 2008, but like how did yeah. you actually discover jiu-jitsu? Like, how did you actually get into it initially? Uh, like what made me pick jiu-jitsu or what made me like... Uh, what kind like of what kind of got you at, like interested in jiu-jitsu and then like beginning to train and all that like kind of rewinding back to like 2007 2008 because i know you've been training like almost as long as i've been if not even a little bit longer uh yeah basically like most people like watching the ufc like just watching it and then seeing like jiu-jitsu and seeing how effective it was and then i found out like one of my friends from high school trained jiu-jitsu my buddy connor and then he got me into jiu-jitsu he told me to sign up at the gym he signed up at which happened to be robinson's and then yeah just started training from there but it all started in the ad just watching like a bunch of the old like tito ortiz fights and stuff and like hoist gracie and stuff like that back in the day just a bunch of old dvds and stuff the good old Tito Ortiz days. <laughs> the early 2000s of grave digging and like. Yeah, when he was still relevant. <laughs> he was still relevant. Now he's. Now he's fighting like ex professional wrestlers in like Mexico and all that. And he's like some governor of California or something. Like some oh, yeah, no, councilman yeah, actually, or something. Yeah, he's a councilman now. So he yeah. actually won a seat. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> he won a like, seat, I think, for the Republican Party in Huntington Beach. That's yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. So like exactly. he's actually, I think he's he's a council he's a councilman now, which is interesting. He's, <laughs> he's making his way up. He might be in Congress one day. <laughs> he could actually be Congressman Tito Ortiz, and then like he's gonna pass a bill and start grave digging. <laughs> Tito for prez. Tito, Tito Ortiz for president. So then, so then you were you were training at uh, Robinson's Karate, um, and that yeah. you started about two thousand eight, and then. Like how long, how long have you, how long were you there for roughly? And like, what was the training like there? I know we've, we've met and we've trained there a bunch of times because that were, we were affiliate schools at one point. And- yeah. I was there for, I had to be like six, seven years. I was there for a while. I was there, I got my purple belt there. So I was there for like a bit. Uh, so probably like six, seven years. Yeah. I spent quite a bit of time there six, seven years. And then like, how was the training there compared to like other places? Like, uh, cause I know uh, like in the great, the Gracie curriculum is a lot more like, you know, like let's say like self-defense oriented and things like that. But like, what are, what were some things that you, you kind of picked up and learned there? It was, yeah, very self-defense, like orientated, a lot of basics, not a lot of inverting at all or any lapel play or anything like that. Like it's very like, uh, yeah, close guard, every, keeping everything tight, passing like tight, like, he was very against like anything like modern jujitsu wise. Like he didn't really like us doing anything spinning upside down or any of that. <laughs> what, are, what are kind of your thoughts on like the, the traditional like Gracie jujitsu methods versus like the kind of like the more modern, like lapel guard inverted barambolo, this and that, like what are, cause you, you've trained at like, you know, a lot of different schools by now. And I would say like Gringo's is a lot more like a competition based 
um, kind of like modern game. Like that's what he, he's teaching and showing. And a lot of like their students are learning and researching on their own as well. So what are your thoughts on like the two? Um, Cause it's like me, like personally, like I, they both, like you should know a bit of both. Like you should know yeah, self-defense, sure. especially if you're going to be a teacher. But then at the same yeah. time, like if you're going to compete, like, yeah, you need to know at the very least, if you're not using, you know, a lot of modern game, you know, jujitsu, you need to know how to at least defend it or at least how to teach it as well. Yeah. I find like Gracie jujitsu, especially is really good for like the beginning, like, especially building your like uh, foundation and stuff. The basics are really like strong in it because it's all based on like controlling the distance, not like giving a lot of space up, always advance in position of like positive positions where you don't get hit as much, which usually means mount or back. So I find it really good. But, like, as you get farther into competition, I find, like, it's good to learn, like, modern jiu-jitsu because even, like, blue belts now are, like, even white belts are, like, inverting and playing lapel guards. So it's always good to be aware of that. You don't want to just go right in and all of a sudden be stuck and not know what's going on at all. And then, like, especially for beginners, like, I find Gracie jiu-jitsu really good because that's what everyone wants to get into for, like, self-defense usually. They don't go in to learn to barambola, like, the first day. <laughs> so bro i saw this thing on youtube can you sign up i need to sign up for class you usually most people like walk into a gym like like they probably heard the gracie name and all that and a yeah. lot of people usually don't go hey i want to start competing in jujitsu like day one like what people are walking into a gym they've never trained a martial art they're not like hey man i'm gonna go to this tournament in a week it's usually they come in they want to like hey i want to get in shape or hey i want to you know, learn how to defend myself, you know, what, there's a lot of different reasons, but usually like competing, not competing, not immediately is usually not one of them. Yeah. it's not a big percentage that usually end up competing. Mostly it's like recreational, like do it for working out or for like, want to learn how to defend themselves. So like, that's when like Gracie jujitsu is like really good. Yeah. It's a really good, like, and it's like a really solid foundation for like martial arts, right? So like, just stand up controlling the distance getting the takedown and everything so it's like really good whereas like modern jiu-jitsu is like a lot more guard pulling especially at the lower weight classes which you probably would never do in a street fight i hope <laughs> or can you <laughs> like, unless you're like ryan hall <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna fight to the yeah. death i'm gonna pull out your jacket gonna, <laughs> you're, you're gonna pull out a knife i'm gonna win by an advantage <laughs> Yeah, so like a lot of like modern jujitsu schools now, I find like don't do a lot of takedowns. So that's when like a lot of the old school like uh, jujitsu is a lot better because like, a lot of it's like closing distance. Even if it's like a simple body lock takedown, it's like really effective, especially like mm-hmm. against someone that doesn't know how to defend takedowns or train. So that's yeah. good. Did you feel that when um, you went from a school that was like more of the old school style to a more of a modern style, whereas like that first initial like oh man these guys are training completely different where it's like i've been missing out on all this stuff and like why was i why weren't we training this kind of stuff or was it just kind of like part of the growing process yeah it was a little bit of both like you definitely notice like the difference when you go to like especially a really like competition oriented school because like the warm-ups and everything are a lot different it's like a lot more high repetitions of like whatever technique you're good at and stuff instead of like going in like i find a lot of like the um like the gracie curriculum it's a lot of like chaining like one or two like scenarios it's not like working on your specific game a lot every day you're not like getting chance to like drill whatever you're working on it's every day you're going it's like following the curriculum every day 
So I find like the competition schools are like really more geared towards like making your game better instead of just like building like your the overall class like martial art. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Or like the overall like like the class that goes there like they have like a specific like curriculum of like these are the moves like this is you know somebody grabs your wrist you do that versus like when you're going to more like a competition like let's say a comp comp class for example or like a competition school you're doing like okay like we're gonna work on for like james and some of you guys like we're gonna work on this certain pass which would be good for you or this certain sweep which would be good for you is that is that yeah exactly okay that's kind of like the, the the main difference like between classes yeah and like the pace of like the sparring is usually a lot different like competition teams like everything's like more like they don't give up position a lot i find like sometimes when you're training like at like my old gym like people are okay with just like sitting back and just like for sweeps and stuff and like just falling back on position and stuff and being more playful with like positions you know what i mean and like competition schools are like everyone's counting like advantages and points in their head so everything's like a lot more like fast paced and tight like the sparring is definitely a lot more different Mm -hmm. do you feel a benefit between either or or do you kind of like you would need to have the mix of both worlds it's good to have the mix of both worlds i find like because you can't train like the like the heavy competition training every day right there's days where like your body just won't allow you to do it especially if you want to train multiple times a day it's good to like have those like more recreational classes you can go to that you can like ease and have good roles instead of just having to work like and fight every round (laughs) but no pohada every day yeah that's a miss (laughs) no i think i think you're right though i think this is what i found personally like i think you need a mix of you know some like classes where you're drilling and moving around and flowing around you need some Plus, if you want to be a compet like an active competitor, you need to you got y'all you have to train hard. You can't yeah. you can't take like that flowing. Uh, I'm gonna give up position here or there mentality. Yeah. You can't do that in a tournament because like those little things where it's like, oh, I just gave up a sweep. That can cost you an entire match or a tournament or whatever you're you're doing. Oh yeah, and like especially at the higher ranks, like everything comes down to like advantages and stuff. So you can't just sit back because like your balance is off a bit and like you build those like small habits. Sometimes I find when you like just roll for like for fun and not like keep points and everything in your head, like, you just fall back. And then when a tournament's happening, like you build the habit of like, Oh, I'm just going to fall back and sweep them back. And then that guy's just going to hold you down for the next three minutes. And there goes your money. <laughs> yeah. And there goes the money. <laughs> so um, if you're comfortable with this, I'm going to ask you, like, take me through your transition. Um, so it was about 2013, 2014. What was around the time where um, you left, you left Robinson's karate and, or Gracie, I is also known as Gracie, who I taught new market. What was around that time? And what were kind of the, the things that kind of led you to like, Hey, you know what? I'm looking for a change. And I want to go somewhere else and train. Uh, me personally. Like, yeah. You, you like your personal yeah. experience with like, kind of like what was going on. Um, like there was a bunch of stuff. It's like a snowball effect of stuff. Like he, Chris wasn't really there at all. So it was just mostly me and Kyle. Like you remember Kyle who I used to train yep. with all the time. Yeah. Uh, Kyle. Yes. Yeah. It was basically like me and him just like doing like everything. Cause at that point, uh, Chad, who used to teach, teach us all the time too, he moved to Peterborough. So he wasn't at the Academy anymore. So it was basically just Chris, but he never really showed up at the Academy. So it's just me and Kyle most of the time. And like, uh, it was, 
like yeah it was a mess like a were bunch guys, of stuff were you, guys, were you guys purple belts at the time or yeah we were purple belts at the time and then like you probably heard the crazy stories of like what happened with like uh everything with chris like he got kicked out of the association at one point too uh yeah, you got, you got kicked out of the humite like tell us kind of like your side of the story of like what happened just because like I, i'm aware of some things but like uh, yeah. you can kind of fill in like uh, kind of like you well you're like your side of the story like what what you saw kind of happened uh yeah just like him not caring like slowly not caring at all like letting the whole program like slowly fall apart like not showing up and then like slowly get hearing like rumors of like people not like getting paid for seminars and a bunch of stuff and then i had like a couple of like uh incidents with him with like pay where like it didn't come on time and stuff and all just snowballed effect and a bunch of stuff and then i left right before all that like henner and stuff happened so that was the big, i avoided that that was the big <laughs> one i've actually i heard about and this is kind of yeah. like my version of what i think happened this is according to henner because i think he posted a video so um i think chris chris robinson brought him in for a seminar yeah um at the Humaita New Market. I think he taught like a, a two day, it was like an all weekend seminar. Went well, everybody loved it. I think, you know, Henner, the, like Henner, the Gracie, the Gracie Academy, like they're phenomenal instructors, especially if you want to like dive into more like the, the self-defense kind of oh, yeah. part of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, especially like, I think they're, you know, I don't think you're going to find a, two better instructors than him and Hiron. Um, so he taught the seminar. I think he left. I think Chris Robinson gave him a check. Um, he flew back to Torrance. He got home, went to cash the check, check bounced. <laughs> yeah. And then I think he asked Chris for another check. I think Chris might've sent him another check. And then, and then I think that one bounced. And then I think he just like ghosted from there. Like he just disappeared. Didn't, didn't talk to him. Like basically just, pretty much brought, brought in like a world-class instructor for a seminar and then either didn't pay him because I, I, I don't know the reason specifically, but he's gave him a check. It didn't go through. And then I, I don't think to this day that he's, he's received money for that seminar. Unfortunately. I don't either. Like, cause uh, like a bunch of the employees there, like when I left too, like weren't getting paid and stuff. So I like, I left, like before the Henner stuff that happened like probably like half a year after I left like before that I was hearing like a couple of rumors of, like a bunch of like no name well not no name but like smaller name like karate guys sorry I didn't mean to be like offensive to karate people karate lives matter karate lives matter James karate lives so like so you're saying some of the karate instructors there because it was also like a, a dual stool uh a yeah like some stool. guys you brought from the states and stuff like I heard like I was hearing like a couple of them like came for like seminars and stuff and they like didn't get paid and stuff, but I'd never heard of them. So like, or they'd never posted anything online for me to like really see. And then when it happened and started happening to me and like my paychecks and stuff, I was like, Oh, I need to get out of here. And then, yeah, I just got out before like it really went to crap. <laughs> to his day, like yeah. is, is Robinson's karate still around in some way or is it just the schools? Like, no, he down? like literally he's missing right now. It's like crazy. Like, He's like banished out of nowhere. Like, yeah, like it's crazy. I think it was also a big thing. Like recent, like, like, I think maybe it was like last year where like he basically just disappeared. Like, yeah, he just got up and disappeared. He was supposed to open a gym at like a city beside like Bradford, which is not too far from Newmarket. 
Yeah. And then like, I don't know where you just disappeared. There's like a whole article and like everything in the news and everything. Like no one knows where you like went. Nobody found him. Nothing. Like you just no, dis- like, like up and yeah. vanished. Just up and vanished. It's like Not, I haven't nuts. heard. I haven't heard anything either. Like you know, yeah. it's un- it's unfortunate. Like like, but like he's pretty much just up and disappeared and like never never been been heard of since. Yeah, like no one's like no one even like even his close family and friends like don't even know where he is. It's pretty like wild actually when you think about it. Yeah, that's a little unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, because I was uh, well, like around that time, like I was working. Uh, I was working at another gym that's no longer around as well before I work yeah. at the gym that we do not speak of to this day <laughs> it, that Aaron knows. <laughs> there's, a, there's another gym, but there was a gym I worked at previously. It's called premier fitness. And yeah. they had a, they were kind of like good life back in like, I would say like the early two thousands. Like they were like the biggest, I would say gym franchise, at least in Ontario, if not the country, like they were a big, like they were a big deal. Like everybody knows good life now. Like they premier fitness was like the good life, like back in like maybe the early to mid two thousands. And they had like a, a purple of, sign, right? They had the purple sign. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know what I'm that. talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they yeah. were all, they were all over the GTA and like, they were a pretty big deal for a while, but then kind of like similar to what you were saying there, the, the business side of things, like, cause I was working there maybe about 2013, 2014. That's when I started there. And yeah. a lot of their like business practices, like you, if people are listening to this and they are familiar with that gym are very um, sketchy to say the least. So like in my experience, like I've had, you know, like I've been paid late and like, Oh, like, Oh, this check's not coming. It's going to come next week. Or like, or like, Oh, here's my paycheck oh, yeah. for the week. I put it in the account. And I'm like, it's like, yeah, your check bounced, man. They don't have any, there's yeah. like $2 in that account. <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> and all of a sudden you got to pay some random fee because the check bounced and stuff. It's yeah, and that happened to me too. There's actually a point where when I, I left that gym <laughs> to start at the new location that we do not speak of with Aaron, who's right over there <laughs> in that box. So when I started <laughs> at that one, it took me five months to get what was owed to me. And when I did, they basically, they owed me like, I think over $3,000 at one point, but they were paying like, it was like a check. It was like 400, 300. I think I got a check for like $47 and 48 cents. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, why can't you just give me a, they gave me like. It's accumulation. Accumulation. They gave me like nine or 10 checks at one point. And then what I had to do was just to, because I went to the bank and their banks kept switching too, because their, the bank account would get closed because they, they would bounce so many checks. So like the <laughs> bank would like business-wise would want nothing to do with them. So I think I was at a CIBC one day and then I was trying to cash one of the checks and they're like, yeah, there's no money in the account. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. And then one of the bank managers actually came out and was talking to me and like, cause I think they knew their, their business was kind of shady to say the least. And they're like, you yeah. know what we'll do? Cause usually it costs to certify a check. So basically what that means is once you, certify a check the funds are guaranteed to be there so they can't like withdraw money or anything or pull like money out of an account like basically they have to pay you yeah what is owed once the check is certified he's like i'll tell you what to do because she was actually really nice and helped me out a lot she's like here's my personal cell number leave me the checks and once there's money in the account i'll certify the ones that i can and i won't charge you for it i'm like wow, really? That's amazing. <laughs> so it's like, just to get like, get my, but that process took over like four or five months after yeah. I left there. 
Because I remember, I think I got my last check. I started in like 2016, in like January or February. I think I got the last bit of what was owed to me in like July or August of that year. That's brutal. <laughs> so I don't know if like you got paid for, I don't know if you got everything that was owed to you at the time. No, <laughs> no you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Now, were you getting paid via check or e-transfer yeah. or? Uh, it was everything. It was like check and then he'd say like he'd e-transfer or something and like wrong email or whatever. And like, it was like, yeah, a wrong password and like, yeah, a bunch of them. <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds a little fishy. I mean, like, even for, like, Mike's experience, that, that, that guy is, I think, like, 99% sure he's in jail in the U.S., but I, I, I don't know. It's possible. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, you run across people like that all the time, unfortunately, in the martial arts business and the fitness industry. happens in every business. The automotive industry is the worst sometimes over that kind of stuff. But, again, it Yeah, they get a bad rep for it. Well, What's... tow trucking is the worst. Aaron do, you, do you have any, Aaron, do you have any stories of like either tow trucks or automotive places? Because you used to work in like a lot of automotive well, places like back in the day of sketchy uh, yeah, business uh, so transactions, like, we'll uh, say, because this is kind of a topic <laughs> that we've got on now. <laughs> so like like the place I used to work, um, this, uh, Service Plus Car Center at the time. So basically the owner of the um, facility was basically dumping all the earned money into um, basically what it was is they had this like um, ATV like league. So it was like this racing league that they had and they owned, they were part of it. And so they were dumping all the money into ATVs, trailers, all sorts of stuff. Right. So any profits for the actual like business was making was all going towards these toys. So ATV parts, labor, going to shows all that kind of stuff right so what was actually happening too on the side was that one of the mechanics and the owner were stealing trailers so like you know like trailers are like haul like snowmobiles and all that kind of stuff like like big boxed in trailers they were actually going to different sites and stealing trailers so what would happen is we'd pull up in the shop one day like after a weekend and basically there'd be like two new trailers in the, in the, in the, in the yard. Right. And we're like, <laughs> ah, whatever, like new trailers, right. You, you, you don't think cause we're always in and out new cars, everything, right. We're fixing stuff, whatever. Right. And, but we would, we were never allowed to touch these trailers. Right. They're like, don't touch these trailers. These are fine. Right. So, what would <laughs> so you don't do whatever you want, right? but don't put your balls on my drum set, Aaron. Yeah, like, and so like, <laughs> Stepbrother. <laughs> did you did you put did you take your nuts and put them on my drum set? <laughs> what if I did? So, <laughs> so, anyways, so what these guys would do? So, at, like after the, the shop would close at like six o'clock, at like six fifteen, these guys would um, pull the trailers into the shop take the VIN numbers off, take the paint off, like, like strip these fuckers down, like take whatever's out in, like sell it. And then they would sell the trailers off. Right. So, so one day I'm at work. It's like, I don't know. It's like mid, mid December. So it's like cold and all that kind of stuff. And it's raining. And then um, OPP comes into the shop, right? First thing in the morning, like eight o'clock, right. <laughs> Banging on the door. Like I'm just opening up the door. I'm like, Hey, how's it going? I can help you. It's like, we have a warrant for that trailer over there. I'm like, no problem. 
right over there. Go for it, right? <laughs> so I'm like, should I call my boss? She's like, you can do whatever you want. We're going to take, we're going to look at that trailer. I'm like, okay, I'll call him. So I call my boss. I'm like, hey, just so you know, OPP's here and they're they're searching the premises and the trailer, like, put them on the phone right now. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, sure. I hand the phone over. And he's like yelling at them through the line. And then he's like, he's, the cop's literally looking at the phone. He's like, hands it back to me like i'm not talking to this guy <laughs> and he goes over the trailer <laughs> and i'm like uh and then motor, like the guy is caught my boss is calling me he's like so what are you doing i'm like i'm i'm gonna continue on with the other stuff they're just gonna go you you stop them from i'm like i ain't touching shit i am not <laughs> stopping them from going in there I, you don't pay me you pay me like 20 bucks an hour go fuck yourself <laughs> i'm not getting shot for your trailer <laughs> oh exactly right so I can just picture he, Aaron at like 8 a.m. going uh, just like there's like a SWAT team outside with like a battering ram in a tank. Like, it's like police like it open was, up and Aaron's like just being all naive, like, oh, what's going on? I'm just gonna open like, up what the fuck is going on? Like it was pretty cool, but I was just like, I guess we're getting shut down. I don't know. Like, Do I like, have a job my, tomorrow? Yeah, because like my my paychecks were getting like shady, like like my my pay, again my paychecks were bouncing and all that kind of stuff. Like I got charged like fifty dollars for a NSF charge one time from the bank. I'm like, well, like how are you char-? like that's what it is. I'm like, how is it fifty dollars? Like I got in huge arguments with the bank at one point over that. Like okay, we're gonna let it go one time. And I like so eventually. So anyways, going back to the whole thing. So the boss shows up eventually at the shop after like having to do this like quick drive from wherever he was over he's yelling at the cops and they just took the trailer anyways and he's like and then i found out because eventually he sold the business off because he declared bankruptcy and he sold it to somebody else basically stripped like all this debt embedded everything it was bad right (laughs) and um i found out like two months later after the business was sold he got arrested for theft and all that kind of jazz, like under like under a certain amount, but he had, like he was getting charged like with criminal charges and all that kind of stuff for the theft of the trailers and all that kind of stuff. Like old oh, fuck, like I knew something was up. Oh yeah, you did. You, you never didn't realize did. something was up when like an OPP like police force showed up. Oh no, no, no. that like, I knew. Thirty officers sure. outside. It was just like all the trailers. It was just like that was just weird, right? So we just had a feeling something was going on, but we're like, shut up. Don't ask questions. I mean, why are we taking off the license plates? (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. So yeah. Chop up these parts and put them on eBay. (laughs) So that, so that is the automotive industry back then. Now I'm sure it's a lot better because of like, you know, like cars in general itself are like, he is not so many like this was a like a repair shop too right and it was a it was pretty shady so i it was hey i can't complain it was my job at the time it paid me for what i needed whatever so i'll just look at the better things that moved on in life so (laughs) hey aaron is that where you got the three snowmobiles that are in your backyard i don't know any snowmobiles (laughs) three for one sure you don't sure (laughs) no for sure Let's get all right. So let's get back on topic. But it was a good, yeah, that was exactly. A good, that was a good, interesting uh, little segue to uh, where we're going now. So James, you let you so you left Robinsons. Needless to say, maybe there was some 
shady business practices, to say the least. Um, yeah. <laughs> you went to Cavallo's for a bit. I believe it's Andrew Buckley School. And then yeah. how'd you, how did you end up now at, at Gringo's where you're at today? Uh, well, I joined uh, Cavallo for a bit because my buddy Andrew Buckley was moving back from the States. And then he was looking to open an academy up like in Keswick. Well, not at Keswick at the, that moment, but somewhere like near Newmarket. So um, he was always looking to move back eventually. So when like Chris left and everything, he found like that was like a perfect time to kind of like try to fill that void. So he opened up a gym and then he asked me if I wanted to help him instruct for a bit. So I moved, like I joined his team for a bit and taught there for a bit and like trained there for a bit, but it was like more of a, like a family-based gym, like not like as competition orientated. Like it's like a good, like small family group kind of training. It's like a really good group though. And then uh, I found Gringos because I met my girlfriend and then she like competing a lot. And then we started going like in the mornings here and there to Gringos uh, competition team training. And then we really liked like the vibe and how like Fernando was with everyone, like, especially like the, the competition team, how much he like pushed everyone to like compete and like travel to do the big tournaments and stuff. And that like kind of lit like the drive for me to compete again. Cause around like purple belt, I fell off like competing for a bit. I was like one comp a year, like if like one or two a year, wasn't really doing that many competitions. And then after when I went to Gringo's again, they started like doing a bunch of tournaments again. Yeah, I think like when you were a blue belt, like me and you, like we competed a ton, like all over oh, yeah. the place. And then yeah. purple, like you even said, I like purple, you didn't really compete that much. And then yeah. I think once you joined Gringos again, that kind of drive to get you to compete again, I think that yeah. started kicking in. And then I, I think like that's when you started doing uh, a lot more tournaments from what I saw as well. Yeah, yeah, I started competing a lot more, especially like going all over the place instead of just like doing a bunch of local ones. Like after joining Gringos, it made me like do a bunch of like IBJF tournaments and stuff, which is good. I started going around and it made me like want to compete a lot more again. That's good. What are were some of the highlights, like especially like at your, you know, like brown and black belt uh, career tournament wise? Like what were some big tournaments that you did? Um, the British Nationals I did I went down that was at Black Belt I went down last year and then got silver in my division and bronze in absolute uh, the Ontario which, which, is, which is awesome because like you know for people that are listening to this like you're you're like a light featherweight correct yeah yeah so I think anybody at like featherweight or late featherweight that's placing an absolute is that's like super impressive. No matter who you yeah, are. Like... <laughs> and then uh, the Ontario open I did, I got a gold in that. And then uh, the Nogi pans, uh, I got gold in masters one, two at black belt. And um yeah, that's it so far. And then a bunch of like the opens at Brown Belt, like the New York and uh, Boston. I did got golden at Brown Belt. Okay. Oh, Aaron dropped his camera. It's pointed at his crotch. I my camera. <laughs> yeah, camera camera's pointed at his crotch. I'm now my eyes are blind. I can't see. Oh, I can't see. Whatever. I'm blind. I can't see. <laughs> Blinded by the, the ginger of the nether region that Aaron has down there. PTSD now. PTSD. Yeah, I know. Never again. Wow. That's, okay. That's okay. 
That's the last place I want. You'll be able to get some CBD products to help you out over there. Okay? <laughs> where Where are they located again, Aaron? Uh, so you're going to have to drive out to 64 Hamilton Street North in Waterdown, but you'll be able to get 10% off so you can relax off all your PTSD issues from there. My PTSD <laughs> issues. Will it fix my blindness or do I need to contact an optometrist? No, not at all. It will not help with that. And we cannot give medical advice. That's no, we cannot, thing. unfortunately, but it would, it may, it may help to re- re- relieve some of the tension, so to speak. So, so. 64, <laughs> Hamilton day, Street, day. 64 Hamilton Street North, Waterdown, Ontario, 20 minutes outside uh, Peel Region, 20 <laughs> minutes from Hamilton. They got the good so stuff. They got the good stuff. <laughs> So like, obviously, like when we're able to kind of, you know, kind of get back to some form of like normality and all that kind of jazz, like what's kind of on the bucket list for whether it be a competition or is it like teaching is it like kind of what's kind of like the future hold more for you? Uh, for the future, hopefully have an academy. That's what I'm looking towards, like have an academy to teach every day. And then once COVID's over, be able to compete a lot more again, like it's always fun being able to travel and compete, especially with like a team that likes to do it. It's always a good vibe to be able to do that. So hopefully that starts again soon where I don't have to quarantine and go through a headache to compete. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really hard to do that right now. Honestly, like you got to find it. I don't know. It, it's just, it's just not realistic, like leaving for a week. And then basically that one week turns into three, especially like if you're working, like it, it just yeah. doesn't, it just logistically doesn't make sense. Like I know, Max and some others did it at Pan Am's, but like I was talking to Janine like a long time ago, like on a previous podcast, she's just like, Hey, I'd love to compete more. It's just like, I can't, like, I can't leave for a week and then come back and then I'm away from my job for three weeks. I can't, and then I wouldn't have a job. (laughs) It just doesn't make sense. (laughs) And then Canada doesn't look like we're going to have any tournaments anytime soon. So I have no idea what's going on with that. I don't know either. I think like, I, Honestly, like it's really hard to plan tournaments when like I think realistically, let's just try to keep, you know, academies open and training yeah. and, and make and having the restrictions like make sense versus yeah. like just a blanket, hey, we're gonna do this, but then the data says that and yeah. like you're like, okay, I think that's why I think a lot of people are having an issue with it. It's like, okay, well, wait a minute, like the numbers say this, but you guys are saying this. Like what's like what's going on? I'm confused here. Like this, this, this isn't matching up. Yeah, you can have ten people at a gym and like five hundred at Costco. It makes no sense. <laughs> on top yeah. of each other at Costco. I mean, I get it. <laughs> people need to eat groceries to survive. I get it. But should you have a thousand people on top of each other while doing it? Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Like, cause Mike, Mike, and I were talking about it earlier. It's just like. Um, again a lot of places opened up and some guys were like okay i'm gonna open up academy and then basically bought new places and then so i was seeing like even in toronto there was like three four new places that were gonna pop up and then all of a sudden restrictions hit again and now we're in lockdown i'm like like, and i feel bad for business owners that were like okay i'm gonna get a business started or like restart my business and then now they can't even open up a door can't even get a new member because they haven't even opened up yet and then they're just now it's just sucking rent out of whatever funds they might have yeah yeah it's really crazy situation right now and it's always changing every day too and it's like different region from region so like some guy like a couple like blocks literally down the street can have like be open and then you can't be open it's like really messed up right now 
Yeah, that's uh, that's one of our uh, examples because in uh, where our gym is located, it's on one side of Winston Churchill, so it's closed. Yeah. But if they went, you know, five minutes into Oakville, they would they could technically be open in some fashion. But like yeah. you know, like there's the zonings before, but like when it closed, it like that region was in red, so it's like real financially it didn't make sense for them to open, so they stay closed. But yeah, then, yeah. Like Oakville was like like you throw a rock into Oakville from where the gym is and yeah. that area was like green or yellow and their capacity issues and all that, like gym would be open. I think no problem, which, which is weird because when you have a lot of these restrictions, like what do you think is going to happen? Oh, I can't go to the gym in Brampton or Mississauga. I'm going to drive to Oakville. I'm going to drive to Newmarket. I'm going to drive to yeah. Vaughan instead. So like people just, you know, travel and migrate to other places. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes a whole mess right now. So it's like either across the board have the same rules or I don't know. It's like pretty crazy. And then you look at the states and everyone's training in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think Sanchi's opening a, a gym? Because, you can, because it, everything goes in Texas. Guns, freedom, America. Yeah. <laughs> We need to get some American sponsors on here. That'd be pretty hilarious. Just, just the amount of ad reads that I know Aaron is uh, not impressed with from me. Like I, I could take it to a whole other level if I get some, some like, Texas barbecue. Texas, bar- <laughs> uh, Texas barbecue pit. Um, I mean, like I, I have mixed feelings about that whole barbecue thing, especially the one that happened in Toronto. So it's just like, I'm like, I get it, but you're also causing a panic and you're causing all these issues. And it's like, I get that too, but I'm like, and again, the thing that pisses me off more than anything, it's like how many cops were there and had their oh, yeah. attention focused on that bullshit compared to like all this other stuff that they could be dealing with. Like <laughs> that's like, what like <laughs> anything else besides that. Like that that that's what fucking infuriated me because I'm just like, we have like the city itself, right? And it's not just Toronto. I mean, like just. There's so many issues with like, whether it's, um, you know, youth displacements, again, gang issues, whatever, gun gun violence, drugs, whatever, right? And we have fucking, from the picture I saw, like 70 police officers fucking (laughs) surrounding a barbecue joint in Etobicoke. Like, like what the fuck is going on? Like, a convenience store up here. A convenience store up here got robbed a couple of days ago by gunpoint. I saw like two cop cars, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, it's just like, I don't know. Like, I will say maybe in their defense is if there's a crowd, um, do you just send, hey, uh, there's this big crowd down at this barbecue pit. Should we just send one police car? <laughs> that might not be a good idea either. Because... <laughs> Oh my God! They're getting pelted with ribs. What's going on? <laughs> the barbecue Those sauce like, hurt. <laughs> I said, "Ah, oh, I got hit. Oh, officer down! Officer down! I got hit with a rib. It's delicious." <laughs> now, with that said, like I don't know, I get I get the whole resource allocation thing, especially at a time like this where there's very limited resources. Um, do you need to send a hundred police officers to surround a barbecue joint? Probably not. Should you just send one squat car and see what happens? That might not be a good idea either. I think there might've been a better solution to what was going on than I think what happened. I think is what we're, I think we're all getting to. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. 
Got that guy get some good press though. Oh, he's 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 gonna be making a kill a killing at all his other places. Yeah. Speaking of other places, this is a, one of the common questions uh, we've asked that I'm gonna dust it off because we haven't asked it in a while. So there's some common questions I like to ask people. So you have some experience with you know, you know, you know the Gracie Who My Talk curriculum and like you know kind of like the Gringo Sports Jiu Jitsu curriculum. So I gotta ask you, um, will a Barambolo work in a street fight? Um, it depends on the situation. <laughs> give me a situation where it would work and give me a situation where maybe not a good idea. Uh, anytime there's a group of people, it's probably not the best idea, <laughs> but I saw John Wick disarm a guy with a sort of Baron Bolo maneuver in the movie. <laughs> it's a movie. Which it's one? Work. Which one? It was like the first one, I think, where he like jumped at the guy with like some scissor like thing with his legs and then. Oh, that was like the scissor takedown that he did. Oh, he, like, scissor takedown. Yeah, I was like okay. in a crowd yeah, of people yeah, yeah, I couldn't yeah. tell. That was, like, that was like a Gary Tonin-esque uh, scissor takedown that he yeah. pulled off, which was yeah, actually pretty cool. And he, he's <laughs> done a lot of like high-level jiu-jitsu training for those movies too. So you know, Keanu Reeves yeah. is a badass. He's done like weapons training and all He's a He's a badass. Yeah, I wouldn't try a Baron Bolo in a street fight though. <laughs> so hey, you're you're sensible some of our other guests <clears throat> matthew isaacs um and darson and darson too hey Dar- darson said he would uh he would grab the lapel or other areas of a man's nether region if if needed <laughs> to get a grip which hey I, I salute him for but i don't know i wouldn't go that far personally you know i like to manage distance maybe de-escalate the situation yeah that's always the best idea run away especially if there's multiple attackers so it's like yeah. it's, it's not the movies like where john wick can like kill 700 people in a movie but <laughs> like if i'm getting attacked by 10 people and i'm a black belt my best defense is get the hell out of there <laughs> it's, it's yeah. mine and this is one more question i like to ask that we're i'm gonna uh ask you to wrap up uh we're gonna do a quick kill fuck mary it's gonna be <laughs> Hamilton, Brampton, and Newmarket. You have to kill one, fuck one, and marry one. What were the options again? You have to you have to kill, fuck, marry one of the three cities: Brampton, Hamilton, or Newmarket. I'd definitely probably kill Brampton because I grew up there. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you grow up in Brampton? I mean, I thought you lived in Newmarket like uh, your I, whole life. Uh, I moved in like after like the first year of high school to Newmarket. Okay, well, smart, 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 smart man, smart man, smart move, smart move. Your your parents were very very smart. They saw they saw the writing <laughs> on the wall very yeah. early. Where did you grow up in Brampton? I didn't know. Uh, Bicentennial High School. Oh God! Oh yeah! Oh, Good call, move yeah. there. Oh, Not geez. the best area. No. <laughs> Shout out Centennial. Shout out Captain Centennial. Uh, so, what was the kill, other one? Kill and what? You kill. You kill Brampton. Everybody kills Brampton. I would yeah. kill. I would kill Brampton. Um, you got to marry one and f one. Uh. I guess Mary Newmarket because it's a bit more uppity class. <laughs> it's, it's a city you would take to, take home to meet your parents. Yeah, and then Hamilton is just a hammer, so it's already trash. So just get rid of it after you fuck it, I guess. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love it. Love it. <laughs> all right, James. I think, I, I think we're gonna end on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
James, is there anybody you want to thank or shout out to uh, sponsors you want to shout out before we wrap up? Uh, no, I just want to thank like everyone I train with on the daily. Like thank Ringo for everything he does, like for the team and stuff. Thank all my training partners. Thank my girlfriend for putting up with all my shit all the time, especially even when we're like competing. <laughs> become, well, you definitely need the, the support for sure. Yeah, especially <laughs> when we're both cutting weight. It's like it's always good to have that. Like, well, her cutting weight more, me just kind of eating whatever. <laughs> which, I'm sure, which i'm sure she's thrilled about at the time yeah so it makes both of us not have to deal with that <laughs> but yeah all my training partners that like help me get better every day and like yeah basically that's it awesome okay yeah. and we'll thanks you guys that. for the opportunity sorry no absolutely no absolutely we want to have you back on again for sure hopefully uh when this whole mess is over we can get some training in and go from there yeah, yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Just trying to promote, yeah. honestly, some local talent because you know what? There's a lot of good jujitsu here, and a, a lot of good guys, guys and girls here. That yeah. are, you know, they're at that world class level. It's just nobody's really heard of them. Yeah, and like getting the opportunities to like compete too. Some of them don't have the opportunity to go to the states all the time and stuff. But you see them beat like a lot of the guys that come here and stuff. So it's like got a lot of good talent here now. Yeah, Definitely no, and that's, that's the thing. We need we need to start pumping them up and then get them platforms and build off that. So it would be yeah. you're part of it, right? So we just gotta help everybody get going. Thank you. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. Thank you. Right. Spirit, 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 Spirit. Spirit.